0: You've seen the best. You've seen the worst.
1: Now here's the rest of both worlds. I'm Gayfesh.
0: We don't talk about Turkum.
1: And I'm Ari. And I'm the goddess of empathy. And today we'll be discussing the Star
0: Trek: The Next Generation episodes Tin Man and Hollow Pursuits. But first, you were in my reply, in my in my DMs just a little bit ago. You had a brain fart, and you forgot that Mangel Barrett was mary
1: jill barrett roddenberry yeah
0: you and, and i was just like dear you have memory issues we've had I this do. conversation
1: <laughs> because i was asking well because i was googling Majel barrett because i wanted to know if she was dead or alive because i have this problem my alexa is currently turning off my lights all the time and i can't figure out how to make it stop and so i kept yelling alexa turn the lights on while i was watching the episode and then the computer was talking i was like oh It'd be so cool if we could just get Majel Barrett to be Alexa, but she died in two thousand and eight. And then I was like, Majel Barrett Roddenberry.
0: <laughs> so, um, before she died, she actually did sit down in a sound booth and record all the uh, uh, all of the phonemes. Uh, Specifically, so that they could do like a, a recreation of her voice. Now, obviously, nowadays you don't even need to have somebody sit in a sound booth and do that because you've got the the AI stuff that's like like uh, on uh, Book of Boba Fett that they use for yeah, um, uh, uh, Luke Skywalker's voice. And uh, I think they also use it for Darth Vader in Obi Wan Kenobi.
1: I have not been able to confirm that. It's been, I have seen articles that have said that it was James Old Jones, and I've seen articles that said it was AI, and I cannot find the actual answer to that question. But
0: anyway, that's a bit of a tangent. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's entirely possible to create a uh, an Alexa like uh, AI with Mangel Barrett's voice. And like I said, she had recorded her stuff. And I think those recordings are owned by her son. And he he's like, I, I, I think uh, the reason nothing's been done with it would also because, be
1: Gene's son, right?
0: Yeah, Gene's okay. son <laughs> and he, uh, Rod Roddenberry. And um, he's uh, I, I think he's just been a- asking for like too much money to use it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so, like you know, like enough money where it wouldn't like. But he does also doesn't want to like sell it like exclusively. And for the amount of money he's asking, it would need to be an exclusive contract. So nothing right. actually been done with it. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the echo has one of its wake words is computer. Computer, and yeah. If she had mangel barrett's voice and you said computer you could just be living that'd be trek so dream.
1: cool i know i know that's what was making me think it because well i've not been enough of a star trek fan up until this point to change the wake word to computer but like i was thinking about it when i was watching that episode today and hearing her voice and thinking about how funny it is when um deanna talks to the computer because she's talking to her mom or when um,
0: uh luxana talks to the talks computer, to the computer
1: that's really funny too <laughs> and we have a luxana episode coming too
0: yeah and when um when Google was developing Google Assistant its uh code name uh, in in production was Majel. So uh when I had first heard that I was just like oh boy are we going to get her voice but no we didn't. I, I know. I imagined- I imagine it was probably just because Rod Roddenberry wanted too much money.
1: Probably. They didn't really think through his name when they named him Rod Roddenberry, did they? Well,
0: his, his first name is Eugene. Uh, oh, Rod, okay. Rod is like, yeah, his his nickname. That
1: makes more sense. I thought it was like Rodney Roddenberry. And I was like, who does that? That's like maybe your kid Alex Alexander. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So before we start the episode today, let's talk about the Patreon.
0: Yeah, head on over to patreon.com slash rest of both worlds uh, for any amount. Uh, you will get access to these episodes up to five days early. You will also get access to a spot on the discord where you can suggest these little small talks that we have at the beginning of each episode. And for the $10 tier, you will hear your name read out at the end of each episode. Nobody's taken that one yet. You
1: could be the first could be the very first one. Then you'd always be the first person too that's right all right so today first we're going to talk about tin man which is the 20th episode of the third season it first aired on the 23rd of april 1990 it was written by dennis putman bailey and david bischoff it was directed by robert shearer
0: the uh when the mission specialist beams on the enterprise i was just sitting there like i know this guy from somewhere
1: who is the he mayor.
0: <laughs> he's the mayor <laughs> from buffy yeah it's a shame that he wasn't playing the mayor from Buffy because that was a much more likable character.
1: Oh, my God. my first notes, the first off, it says he called her D. And then it says, wow, he's the most insufferable telepath. The world's most insufferable telepath. Like, he's just really insufferable. He's really terrible. And then and, in and the fact that you think the mayor is a better character. <laughs>
0: Look, he was a really nice guy. He just, you know, wanted to turn into a giant snake demon and kill
1: everyone. But other than that, he was a sweetheart. And bring the end of the world, I think, because it was yeah. always the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, as soon as he popped up, I, I wrote in all caps to you, It's the mayor. The mayor's here. The mayor, 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 mayor. <laughs> I was so excited about the mayor. And I, now I don't know that guy from anything. But the mayor. So when I saw him, I was like, I know I did the same thing. I was like, I know him. And I was like, oh, I know him because I didn't actually know who it was until he talked. When I heard his voice, I was like, oh, it's the mayor. (laughs) (laughs) The mayor that tries to, you know, pervert uh, faith into working for him. And then, yep. ah, Such a good season. Oh, anyway. yeah, no. He's, he's, I
0: think he's my favorite big bad. I think
1: so, too. And then, you know, the fact that his ascension is also their graduation, which signifies that big change in Buffy. It's also very good. But this is not a Buffy podcast as much as I bring it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, his name in this episode is Tam Elbram, and he is a Betazoid uh, who was uh, born telepathic. Usually uh, uh, Betazoids develop their telepathy at uh, adolescence, but he was... He had it from birth, which, and Deanna explains that uh Betazoids like that never have, like, uh, uh, they never grow upright, basically, because they uh, have everyone else's thoughts in their head before they have, like, you know, developed their own, like, sense of self and all that. So it's just, it, it's,
1: he, he's messed up, he's yeah. messed
0: up, he's very impatient, he won't wait for people to finish their sentences, because he knows what they're going to say, and so he'll just interrupt them with it, and, um, Riker hates the dude. Riker hates the dude. And Riker hated the dude before he met him because he was involved in uh, another, like, mission that ended up with, like, 47 people getting killed. 47. Hey, there you go. Um, oh, yeah.
1: 47. Um...
0: And, you know, Riker just blames him for it. And he's just like, no, I warned that guy. It was his fault. But, you know. Uh, anyway, he's on because they are trying to beat the romulans to uh investigate this like space uh um alien that like just lives out in the vacuum of space uh, it, it reminded me of the jellyfishes from encounter at far point because it was like it had oh. like interior corridors and everything it reminded me
1: of the space whale from dr who mm-hmm. yeah yeah the last of its kind space whale that they were like tormenting or whatever. The episode's
0: called Tin Man because that's the code name for the uh for the alien. Turns out the alien's actual name is Gomtu, but I thought it was weird that we got an episode called Tin Man that wasn't, wasn't about, about data. data because data has been called Tin Man at least twice in the show already
1: my notes at the top of my notes i put the name of the episode what what the like 320 because this is the 20th episode of the third season and in my at the very top of my notes next to the title says this is probably a data episode because i assumed it was going to be a data and it kind of was a little bit was
0: but because tam immediately takes to data because he can't read data so you know he's like able to actually just like talk to him like he's a person instead of somebody who he's already in their head and he knows what they're thinking about him he's just like um, and that's kind of what he's been seeking his entire life is uh, he's been looking for peace because he just, he can't shut people out. Actually. Hey, going back to Buffy, remember that episode where she got telepathic powers and like, it ended up like leaving her in excruciating agony. Cause she couldn't yeah. shut anyone out.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like that. that is true. And then it's also like Sookie Stackhouse because she falls in love with the vampire because she can't hear his thoughts. So for once she can actually be somewhere quiet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, one thing, um, both this episode and the next one that i just have in my notes is like where what the hell happens to hipaa in the 24th century because in both this episode and the next episode (laughs) deanna is just very open about like people's mental
1: health problems (laughs) information
0: that would have been disclosed in a a therapeutic session and i'm just like no no, you should lose your license for that.
1: <laughs> right. And not to mention that this is a fellow Starfleet member. Like they he's there because Starfleet sent them. So yeah. it'd be like anybody else coming into her quarters and then her, you know, hanging out in 10-4 and telling everybody secrets. That's what it felt like. I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, And not
0: only that, like he's like an old patient of hers. He was a patient of hers when she was like, uh, you know, uh, working at uh, the university on Beta Z before she joined Starfleet. Right. So I-, I can understand like, you might bring up some stuff, but also like, it just seems like there's too much familiarity with Deanna and her patients anyway. In general. Some some of that's unavoidable because you're working on a starship. There's a limited number of people you're going to run into each other. And, you know, she's like, as far as we can tell, like one of the only counselors on the ship, I think at some point in the show, we might meet like a, a, like one or two others. So like she's not the only supposed one supposed to live in because... here the whole time, or or something like that, or like Weird. maybe to come in or go out, you know. But you, you would need at least two, and you could fit two on a ship of a thousand. But like because counselors need therapy, therapy too, so. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, yeah, no, therapists will often you know just talk to other therapists for their therapy sessions. That's that's a very common thing uh, to be done. But yeah, no, she's just she's too familiar with uh. Her patients.
1: No, I agree. The fact that she was like, oh, yes, I knew him on Beta Z when I was in the university. And then Picard's like, oh, so you went to school with him? She's like, no, he was my patient. Dun, dun, dun. Right. And I was like, okay. And he why? calls her
0: D, like, like they're old right. friends. And I'm like, that's not. Yeah. How you and treat she doesn't ever therapist. say that's inappropriate
1: for you to call me that. or Yeah. But that familiarity with her parent patients is, is weird because that means that familiarity started when she was a student in the university and she was his patient because I would assume that's the last time they saw each other. But the he other was thing her was patient, that, but yeah. Yeah, sorry, I said that incorrectly. And the other thing they never explain is how he got from being Deanna's mental health patient to being like the tr- a trusted member of Starfleet. They don't really explain
0: that. I assume it's probably just because of how powerful his telepathic abilities are that it's just like it's such a a a powerful asset that it like overrides any of his like you know problems uh, yeah problems and we've seen that a couple times like people who are just like assholes but they're so good at what they do that Starfleet just puts up with them we've had a couple of those come onto the the enterprise and um the the episode just i don't know it both of these episodes that we got are you know kind of it's always risky to create a new character and have the episode focus around that character because everything hinges on the writing for that character being good and that actor right. being good. Versus if you write an episode that focuses on just one of the main characters of the show, if that episode didn't go well, it's like, okay, well, we've got others, and we've you know, got
1: 15 other Deanna episodes. Yeah. yeah. But
0: yeah. like when you have a one and done character, if they suck,
1: Yeah, I know. And how come none of the men that Deanna interacted with before she got on the ship are like well adjusted, normal people?
0: Wait, i mean she is a therapist so like it would make sense that she would interact with people who are not well adjusted because that's why you know they go to her
1: true i was thinking about that other good-looking boy that ended up running off with the the blonde aliens but she hadn't actually met him before she was just no supposed to meet
0: him they yeah. Were, yeah they were just a arranged marriage thing which right. that was weird
1: so this episode we got to see another starship captain on uh-huh. the hood. He was from the hood, right? That was that's,
0: that. was Captain DeSoto, who's actually uh, uh, Riker's old captain. Uh, uh, Riker transferred Oh, that's over why and...
1: there was that familiarity. I tried to yeah. figure that out. I was like, why are they talking to this guy? And I expected him to be a giant asshole, because he was a different captain, you know, nah, and they always are. But he seemed to be, like, a good person. Yeah. Um, and that, I, I mean, so they drop this guy off, the hood does, and then they just take off, and... Mm-hmm. We're take so it's like we're supposed to take this dude Tam. Um, that's the only part of his name I remember because River Tam. Um, yeah. But they were supposed to take Tam to this alien ship. It's a ship, but it's an alien. It's yeah. a sh- and so we're supposed to take him there because it is parked next to a star that's about to explode and as soon as they said that i thought to myself the ship is trying to die leave it alone (laughs) (laughs) that was my first response
0: but as as we find out even though tam's telepathy can't extend light years apparently this ship's can and the ship has been in contact with him so it's kind of like been drawing him to it but the romulans show up and um tam goes and like warns the creature because the romulans are like well it will we'd rather destroy it than than let the enterprise uh uh take a look at it and so uh the creature like creates a big explosion to defend itself which destroys the romulans and the enterprise is a little further back but it uh the shockwave still, still damages like, it yeah damages it knocks a bunch of systems offline and everyone's pissed off at Tam's like you didn't spare a single thought for the safety of our ship when you did that
1: so then he trusts him even less because he already didn't trust him but and
0: i there was a moment i, I i'd be surprised if you didn't catch but uh when uh they're in the conference room and uh Riker isn't saying anything but tam just like uh snaps at him because he knows what he's thinking and he calls him billy boy
1: i guess that's in my notes because i have a new name for billiam but he <laughs> called him billy boy because deanna calls him bill
0: <laughs> it, it's very possible that's why he did it i know but... i
1: know i i caught that no it's in my notes it says billy boy my new name for Riker. <laughs> but yeah i caught that too i was like ooh, he used the bill name You know, Uh,
0: there was one line that seemed odd to me, and I have it in my notes. I don't remember who said it, but somebody said that uh, it is humanity that he is flaying about Tam. And I'm like, he's not human. Can we find? I think that was
1: Deanna. So that makes it even worse. Well, at at
0: least Deanna (laughs) is human. Um, But yeah, yeah. yeah, But but Tam's not human. And so, yeah, can we find a a more species neutral term for this? Because every time we talk about humanity, at least with data, it's like. Very specifically, humans that he has like he's trying right. to learn from. So and they kept using humanoid
1: sense. throughout the episode. So I guess that thought was. I mean, what's what's the word for humanoid when you're saying humanity? Like when you're calling it the whole entire group? I guess humanoidity. So decide, <laughs> hum- humanoidity.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds. I don't know. That sounds like something you should uh, get uh, taken care of with like a topical cream.
1: I bet the writers (laughs) had this discussion, actually, because like what else would I mean? Because they probably had the same discussion, you know, like, what do we call it? There was actually
0: um, that That reminds me of a moment in Star Trek six when uh, Kirk and Spock are having a conversation. And Spock is like, you know, uh, Jim, I I have to point out to you that uh, I'm not human. And Kirk goes, you know what, Spock? everyone's human and spock goes i I find that insulting (laughs) but but just thinking about that i'm like spock you are human
1: yeah is it because he's (laughs) half human right spock is half human Mm -hmm. so they get out there the romulans are apparently so like uh, we forgot to mention the part where they're like "Hmm, there's something on the sensors thank you were for not knowing how to pronounce sensors still but he's like there's something on the sensors and so they're like well we can't figure out what it was but it can't be a romulan because they can fully cloak from us so it must be something else, um, and then somebody says something like, "Unless they're doing something else that's causing them to decloak a little bit," and it turns out they were like running their engines at 150 capacity or something. Oh yeah, and like... they
0: burnt out their warp drive to uh, to, to beat the Enterprise to uh, uh, to Tin Man.
1: Tin Man, um, yeah.
0: And you know, uh, obviously, there's like another uh, Romulan ship that's coming in a couple of days, so it's not like they're they're just stranding themselves there. They could just beam over those. And that's to...
1: the one that gets destroyed when. Um tam sends the warning is that the one first the first one. one yeah
0: anyway uh tam spends most of the episode with data he likes data data seems to have like g- gets a pretty good understanding of tam as well and they end up g- beaming over to the ship together mm-hmm. and once tam's there tam is like finally at peace because he's just it's just him and the ship now first when he beams over the ship just like like sends him like his millennia of memories and it kind of is overwhelming. But after afterwards, he's just like, no, this is good. This is good. And like, it builds like a chair for him to sit in. And he's just like, yeah, I, I'm at peace. He's at even- home. Yeah. He's, he's at home. home, even though he's going to yeah. die in like five minutes. Cause the, 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 the star is about to explode. But, uh, He's finally found the piece that he's looking for, so... I thought you know. that
1: didn't they get away? I thought him and the ship got away. They knocked the Enterprise away, but I thought him and the ship left. I thought they were going to... I thought that was the We point. don't actually know. Um, Because I thought the whole point was it was suicidal, but then it found Tam, and then it wasn't uh, suicidal anymore, so it knocks the Enterprise away, and then it's going to go off and live its own life with that's Tam. The
0: thing we don't actually know. Oh, Because uh, we okay. see because yeah they, they i guess i just uh, assumed
1: yeah because they were both happy now because they mentioned at one point that tin man was sad because it used to have humanoid companion companion people that ran the ship or whatever
0: but they like there was like a a radiation leak and they all died and also the 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 ship hasn't found another of its own kind for for like millennia thousands, so, i think yeah, yeah
1: thousands of years
0: but uh, and so I had gone to that star because it knew it was going to blow up. It was just going to commit suicide. Of course, if you're going to commit suicide, you could always just fly into the star. You don't have to wait for it to blow up. But, well, you know,
1: know, passive suicide. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I took the moral of this episode to be that sometimes you have to fly to the farthest reaches of space and confront your enemies to find someone who truly understands you. <laughs> was that the moral? of
0: this episode? I, I don't know if there was a moral to this episode. I just uh, Tam was not really a likable character for me.
1: Oh, uh, I didn't like
0: him. I didn't like him that much. And yeah, like I said, when when you hinge an entire episode on this new character, it may, made me think a lot of too short a season and the, the first season where uh, it's the. Uh, is that
1: the reverse Benjamin Button one? Yeah.
0: The okay. Benjamin. Well, actually, just regular Benjamin Button, I would say. Because he he's going backwards? Yeah. Okay. A reverse Benjamin Button is just aging normally. Age normally. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so the Benjamin Button one, where he starts out in the terrible makeup and becomes the attractive yep. Captain Guy by the end.
0: But the, the episode was entirely about him and like his failures, uh, as like you know, and he wasn't
1: likable, and we hadn't met him before.
0: And, and and he took over the entire story, and it was just like, oh god, please hurry up and die. Yeah, it, it kind of felt like that. I didn't hate Tam as much as I hated that guy. I think that episode is one of the worst episodes of of the Next Generation ever. This one was just kind of a eh. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, you know, there's there's some sympathy that I have for Tam in that you know he's basically developmentally disabled because he he develops telepathy too soon, and you know just
1: I am gonna say there was one part of the episode that I was happy wasn't correct because there was a part where I wrote in my notes I hope this isn't an autism allegory because there was a point when Deanna said something like early catching of it and something something helped him and I was like I hope this isn't a we don't can't stand autistic people and they're not but it didn't end up being that way you know I thought that's what they were going for though at first because he was different his, his brain didn't quite work like everybody else's and in the 90s I was just afraid because my brother has autism and in the 90s they said some nasty things about autistic people oh, yes, you know? they did. and so I started my heart was like oh no please don't be an autism episode because I thought if they're going to put this all like, we just need to take better care of our autistic people by putting them by themselves or something that was really bad. Blowing in the them 90s, up on the star. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was, But I was glad it didn't go that way. But you can see why I thought maybe it was, right? Like, I was I was nervous that they were going to be like, oh, this person's neurodivergent in some way. Let's let him blow up in the star. <laughs>
0: you know? yeah. and was I was, like,
1: was kind of glad it didn't go that way. It was his choice. He was happy. We didn't necessarily need to understand it. Um, I just was really afraid of where it was going at first, but I was happy to see it didn't go that way.
0: (laughs) I did like how the episode ended, though, because Data had kind of built a a rapport with him. And so he's just kind of, uh, you know, in in the conference room talking with Deanna at at the end of the episode. And Deanna gives him a cute little hug from behind uh, to
1: comfort him. I know. That was so cute. It was very sweet. And I mean, like, obviously she did that. And like, I don't think that I mean, I partially think it was for Deanna. You yeah. know, and the, but then at the same time, I think nobody's ever has anyone ever hugged data before.
0: Oh, uh, well, people have done more than hugging I, I well, Natasha did for yeah. sure.
1: <laughs> Not including that, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know that I've ever seen a crew member like extend.
0: It is nice to see uh, people being affectionate with data, even if he doesn't react to it just i'm sure data appreciates it even if he doesn't have the same you know like neurochemical responses that we do to that kind of affection but
1: he also knows that it's a sign of affection from human yeah so
0: it's very human to treat him in that way so i'm sure it's something he appreciates
1: yeah The next episode is Hollow Pursuits. It's the 21st episode of the third season. It is it aired on the 30th of April 1990. It was written by Sally Caves and directed by Cliff Bull.
0: We meet Broccoli for the first time.
1: So I was looking up Broccoli on IMDb because he was credited as a special guest star rather Uh than just like in the credits or whatever. And I was like, so is he someone famous? No, he's, he's not famous. He's uh, been what are you in a lot about? of he's been in a lot of stuff, mostly voice acting now.
0: He's howling mad Murdoch from the A Team.
1: No, I think he was in the A Team movie. No.
0: Well, he he did have a cameo in the movie, I'm pretty sure. But oh. no, he was in the original A Team. He was Murdoch.
1: I asked my husband if he likes the A Team who this guy was in the A Team, and he said, I don't know who you're talking about.
0: Yeah, no, that's Murdoch. He wasn't in the
1: room watching the episode, I just sent the actor's name. So maybe okay. that's what the problem was. But yeah, I so he that was murdoch okay so Uh so this is where i admit i watched the a-team when i was five years old and that's the last time i've ever watched an episode that's (laughs) that's fine
0: look i I didn't watch (laughs) the a-team as a kid i always knew dwight schultz first as barkley okay
1: so that explains why he was a very special guest star. And the reason yeah. I didn't get down to the A-Team stuff is because that man is a prolific voice actor. He has been in everything. He's mm-hmm. been in all of the Fallout games, except for 76 and 3, it looked like. He's had voice acting in like the old ones from like the late 90s and stuff. He's also he's also the voice. Oh, he plays Magneto in the X Men um, video game that came out with the X Men movie that has Hugh Jackman in it and also has Picard as. As the guy he plays, or not the guy he plays, but Magneto. And so I was like, oh, that's cute. (laughs) He's also played Broccoli in like a million video games, too.
0: He's um, actually, I think he ends up playing Barkley in more episodes of Voyager than he does in TNG. I
1: saw he was there, too. And that's where I was like, maybe that's why I know his face. But now it turns Mm -hmm. out he was on the (laughs) A-team.
0: No, Face was a different guy.
1: (laughs) So... I knew he was on the holodeck immediately. Do you know why?
0: Because of the way that everyone was acting in 10 forward.
1: Sienna wearing Wonder Woman's dress immediately. Yes, that, I was the low like, cut
0: thing. I was just like, Mm-mm, she wouldn't Deanna's be wearing that. not
1: wearing that. Yeah, they, I so, mean,
0: she 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 does have a lot of cleavage in her outfits, but the full but exposed shoulder thing. No. yeah, Mm-mm.
1: yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, and then he was drunk and being disorderly and ten forward, and Gaiden wouldn't have put up with that bullshit. That was the oh, other yeah, part no. that made me go. And then immediately I figured out he's on the hollow deck. He kicks
0: both Jordy's and Riker's ass is first off. Nobody's kicking Riker's ass, uh, right. but yeah. And then Guyana just like, Oh, I don't know. I better cut you off. <laughs> That's all she can do. Um, Gynen has a gun behind the counter. So like she, you know, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. I know. And it was so obvious, especially because like, uh, so I wrote this down cause I almost used it as my joke, but it's so funny. Look, pal, why don't you do me a favor? Take yourself and your holier than thou attitude and get out of my life. I was like what is happening here and I was like oh wait and it's funny because in a couple episodes ago I had written in my notes but not brought up you know what we haven't had in a while a holodeck malfunction episode (laughs) and that's not what this is but yes (laughs) honestly like I have
0: just so much like sympathy for what Barkley does on the holodeck because we have all had imaginary arguments in our head where we totally win and He's like, you know what? We've have the technology. I can have these for real.
1: <laughs> I know, like, and then the fact that okay, so you know this because I texted you halfway through the episode, but and I said for the hundredth time, the holodecks need to lock. <laughs> like, what is this thing where they can just walk into the holodecks? I know I've brought this up before during this other is people's
0: just, private sessions. Yeah, I
1: know. I know. he's now the one time that Jordy goes to find him, he's supposed to be at work. But yeah. like, I and I, I just. I, at yeah. least, like,
0: when when it's uh, Jordy and Riker and Deanna going in, like, Riker goes and taps something, so he may have just used a command override if there was a lock on it that time. Because, uh, you know, I can understand a command officer having, having an, a lock override. But having people come in on his private fantasies, that's a very personal thing. And, I, I mean, Riker does, you know, point out how it's not ethical that Barkley has... Uh, recreations of the crew in the holodeck. Right. Um, I, I do think. Well, and it's like you know the the ethical uh, discussions about deepfakes. Uh, right. It's basically the same thing. So I'm
1: going to talk about this now. I was going to talk about it after we went through the plot, but let's talk about it now because with with Riker it gets so upset with fake Riker, and this is like the third time he's gotten so upset about fake Riker. But Diana's like, oh, just let it be. It's not that big of a deal.
0: And then she sees fake Deanna,
1: <laughs> the goddess of empathy. And she's like, get this the F out of here now. But,
0: <laughs> OK, so fake Riker is so funny because they made him short. And I don't know whether Jonathan Frakes was talking in a higher register or if they just pitched him up afterward. But he has a higher voice. Not he enough that it sounds like a chipmunk or anything like that, but it is enough to be noticeable. Mm-hmm. and it, it's and just very in the funny pool,
1: the jester whatever word you want he's yeah, like yeah, hopping yeah. around and stuff it was so funny <laughs> uh,
0: but anyway the 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 plot of the episode is just like Jordy is having trouble dealing with barkley because uh pretty sure i mean uh, barkley definitely has an anxiety disorder and he's a, a an introverted guy and he's probably autistic but uh you know the this one does have a moral that you know just because people behave differently and don't have the same social graces that you do doesn't mean you should just get rid of them and Picard is like very much like no I'm not going to approve this transfer request you have right. to learn to work with this guy he put in the work he's a member of Starfleet he deserves to be here as much as anyone else I, appreciated and I really appreciated that, that, that from him and yeah. when he and when Picard found out that, there was, that Wesley had like started the nickname of Broccoli for him he's like shut that shit down right now and then he accidentally
1: says it to his face I know. Oh, that was one of the best moments of the entire episode.
0: Patrick Stewart played that so well, because as soon as he said it, he just like, you just the oh shit look on his face like, I can't believe I just said
1: it. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It was so good. I was so mad at Riker for trying to throw Wesley <laughs> under the bus for it, though. I was yeah. like, oh, just a kid. Wesley's okay. a kid. You're, saying a kid. <laughs> you're,
0: you're yeah. all saying it. Wesley's a kid.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like kids call people doo doo faces. We don't, we don't. That doesn't mean you start calling them doo doo faces either. Riker, you know, <laughs> to, be, to be fair,
0: that was shitty of Wesley to start it like come on dude
1: yeah it was it was shitty but still at the same time i was like yeah sure blame wesley that's fine you're only the adult here (laughs) (laughs) so i i was watching the episode and the the question that came up for me was it's not like being in the holodeck turns you into a different person right but uh-huh. how come he would like lose his stutter in the holodeck like that was it literally just a confidence thing that seemed weird to me that just going into the holodeck and just confidence would cure his like inability to come up with the right words i don't know i was trying to figure that out yeah Uh,
0: i never really like the way that stammers are handled in media first off they always get actors who don't actually have stammers to try and do them i'm pretty sure dwight schultz doesn't have one if you got someone like james earl jones who does have a speech impediment in real life they could probably pull it off but i have a stammer so i know what it sounds like and i know what it doesn't sound like
1: and it doesn't sound like that yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really weird that he'd get all this confidence in there, but then turn into this bumbling guy outside. And I was like, that just seems like a little bit weird. But- well, I,
0: the confidence thing, I mean, it definitely comes from the fact that he knows there's no consequences in the holodeck. So he can give that that, that air of uh, confidence and, and, and put that forward. Right. Because he knows it's not real. Uh, and yeah, you, you see immediately just the, the, the way that he'll shrink down as soon as he realizes he's actually talking to someone. And um, yeah, no, I, I I feel for the guy,
1: and I appreciated Jordy in this episode for that reason too. Though when Picard said, "Go take care of him, make," and I would dare say even be his friend, yeah. you know, um, Jordy doesn't half-ass it. He's nope. like, okay, that's it. My orders are to treat this guy like a person and give him, you know, some feedback or whatever, and he does it, yeah. and he treats him well, and he invites him to like his morning huddle. I don't know. It's just, it's that way. I, I, I thought it was a good Jordy episode for that reason, too, because as we all know, Jordy's not my favorite right now because he's. <laughs> weird with women but well he even episode,
0: breaks up brings that up he was just like yeah, look reg like i understand how compelling the holodeck is i fell in love in there once
1: <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah so like it was a good geordie episode it was a good card episode it was an it was interesting techno
0: babble though like so
1: much and then they but they did throw flux capacitor in there which i was pretty excited <laughs> about um and i usually i tend not to listen during the Techno Babble babble parts yeah, because i didn't I even care.
0: catch flux capacitor until you like pointed it out because yeah. i was just out i'm like okay this is all techno babble. i'll pay attention yeah, once plot happens I again
1: i just happened to catch that one because i was like wait <laughs> flux capacitor isn't from star trek um, it is now uh, i loved the part where data did not understand the nickname and he asked why we were le- referring to him clandestinely as a vegetable <laughs> i thought that was The data
0: basically is just there to point out, you know, you guys are being shitty. But he's doing it in an innocent way, where he's like, "I don't understand why you're being shitty."
1: Um, and I I liked that about him. I don't know. I thought the episode was good. Was it an anti-book episode though? (laughs) Like, where? So, if you're trying to relate it to 1990. Who, who are they referring to that goes off and lives in their own world? Because they seem to be like a you need to come out of living in your old world. Today, I would assume it was a Xbox or Internet type, you know, moral. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to figure out in 1990 who they were mocking for spending too much time alone and made up worlds and books were the only thing I could really come up
0: with. I mean, video games were around then. I mean, you had the uh, at that point. I don't know if the SNES was out yet, but um and you know uh video game addiction was already a thing like i mean yeah. video, video game addiction was a thing since pong <laughs> So, um, it could have been a bit of that or just, you know, examining it's like, oh well, we've got this technology. What would you do if you had the holodeck? Oh, I'd spend all my time in there. Like, yeah, me, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a I holodeck, know. I'm never leaving that room.
1: <laughs> I get the escapism of it, because we've talked about that before, you know, holodeck yeah. and replicator and we'd be good to go. You yep. know? Um, so I get why he retreated to the holodeck. I just was like, when, when I'm trying to figure out what the moral of the episode is for whatever, I'm like, who in nineteen ninety are they trying to target here? Because <laughs> they made fun of books a couple episodes ago during the captain's vacation too so it's like i'm sitting around going like do you guys hate books
0: i don't think it's an anti-book episode i'm pretty sure the moral of the episode is that the you should uh treat the weirdo in the room as though they're still a person because they are and you know, they are they, they yeah. have value as a, as a human being and they can also contribute stuff you know
1: because he ends up saving the day of course yeah. By that point, I was kind of checked out because my notes even say this is one of those episodes where I don't care about the result because the result isn't the point of the episode. Like, so I found myself not really caring how they fixed the problem, mm-hmm. you know, because it was about Broccoli and whether he was, you know, worthy of Starfleet or whatever, worthy of being treated like a human being. Yeah, he and is. I was He's just all- a little weird. He is, and he's just a little weird. I mean, I'm a little weird. So, like, I related to Barkley a lot. Um,
0: this episode does make a um, an error that you will often see in stuff like this, you know, with the moral of the story. is like, oh, you know, just because they're weird doesn't mean you should be mean to them or that they have value and stuff like that. But it's always portrayed as they have value because they can do something that nobody else can do or like they save the day at the end. And it's like, Oh, see, because they helped us, they have value. Well, no, even if they're completely useless to you, they have value as a human being.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I can see what you're saying there, because Barkley should have been treated like a human before, like a normal you know, human yeah. before he saved the day, not because he saved the day.
0: Now, now, to be fair, like as a Starfleet officer, like there are expectations for performance that right. should be met, but that's really not the point of the episode, because they're not just saying, oh, well, if you're in Starfleet, you should be this, this or that. the The point was with his kind of a personality.
1: Right, yeah. um So we didn't talk about my favorite part, which is when he's turned them. I mean, well, I guess we did because of Riker. But my favorite—that w- it was a little bit later where he they go back in, and he they're all standing around. They're all dressed up like the Three Musketeers, and um I loved Jordy so much in that. <laughs> scene. As he looks at Riker and he's like, "How do you expect to fight without your sword, sir?" And I was like, "Oh, this is great. This is a great scene. I love the scene because it's like." That really done up kind of like you're doing going to a traditional like three musketeers or Shakespeare play type costumes, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I don't know. I loved that scene. I thought it was great.
0: What I thought was funny in there is that even though they're obviously just he based these characters on, you know, the 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 ship's crew, they're still like playing characters and stuff. And like they're in period costume. They're dressed as the three musketeers. So why does Geordi still have the visor?
1: True. That's a very good point. He's not
0: actually Jordy. He's a character that has been modeled on Jordy. But like, if he's a three musketeer, well, they didn't have visors in the 18th century, right?
1: That's a good <laughs> so, point. He also had some creepy fantasies because Bev was his mom, and he spanks Wesley. Apparently, so he that had was some super creepy, weird, creepy, creepy fantasies too. That they kind of hinted at. That I was like, okay, those are weird. Especially when he's laying in Beverly's lap. I was like, oh. I don't even
0: think Dr. Crusher is in this episode. I think it's just her on the holodeck. I don't think we actually see the real Dr. Crusher. Oh,
1: I don't think we do see Bev. You're right. Yeah, I think she's just on the holodeck in her fancy outfit being mommy. I don't know. That, that part was me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, listen,
0: I can I can understand the appeal of, of a, a mommy Dr. Crusher. Like, <laughs> I, I, I've been on the internet. I know how people are. But... but- <laughs>
1: I've heard it on the internet, but in 1990 on TNG is not where I was expecting to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I mean, all in all, I thought it was a great episode. When I saw that barkley becomes a regular member, I was like, "Oh, good, we'll get to see Reg broccoli again."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually he has quite a few good episodes.
1: Does he? I'm, gl- I'm excited about that. Um, and I, I, I don't know. Introducing new characters makes the show more interesting because that is one thing that I have been meaning to bring up is that I feel like sometimes it does get a little stagnant. We lost Tasha and they didn't really replace her. We lost Beverly and they replaced her with Dr. Boring and then she just went away, but we never got like new characters in their places. You know what I mean? And I've yeah, I- been wanting new characters.
0: So, um, we do start to get a couple more recurring characters. Um, uh, I think, uh, well, uh, for starters, O'Brien's going to have more of a significant role in the show as they start building yeah, yeah, him I up. He had
1: a couple lines, I don't think this episode, but maybe previous episode. I was like, yes, yeah, give the man lines, you know? But yeah,
0: no, he, uh, the, he'll end up getting a wife and have a kid and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, he, he starts getting developed more, um, and I think the, they'll start introducing, like, uh, a new helmsman after uh, uh, Wesley leaves. I've uh, actually introduced like a couple of them who are kind of like, you know, semi recurring characters.
1: I'm not, you know how I've been dreading Wesley leaving. They have been spending so little time with him. I'm not even dreading it anymore. We get so little Wesley crusher anymore that it you doesn't know. matter that he's going to leave the show. You know, it was just sad. I really like him.
0: And, and I think the best Wesley episodes come after he's left the show. Cause he does come back for like one-off episodes. And those are usually really good stories for him. He only agreed
1: to come back for the good ones.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Um, I don't think I really have anything else to say about this one. I'm looking forward to seeing Broccoli go forward. Um, I thought it was a good Geordie episode. Um, We're almost at the end of season three. That's what I noticed. We're really busting through season three. Yeah. um... And I'm terrible at puns. I should have figured out it was a holodeck episode from the title.
0: Yeah, we got five more episodes. Um, we'll get through four episodes, and then we will have uh, the uh, the name of the podcast.
1: Both worlds, we're finally there. I know, I'm so we're excited. We're
0: almost there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting excited.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's everything. Um, thanks for joining us today. I'm Ari. And I'm Gay Fesh. And until next time,
0: live long and prosper.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and consider writing a review in your podcast service.
1: We're on Twitter at rest both worlds.
0: Join our Patreon at patreon.com/restofbothworlds for bonus content and hear your name at the end of each episode.